0: Hello and welcome to the TBG Real Estate Podcast, where we connect you with some of the most innovative and exciting real estate leaders today. We will show you that there are numerous paths to a successful career in the real estate industry and that some of your greatest missteps can be turned into your greatest triumphs. Without further ado, here's the head of TBG Real Estate, Chris Papa. All right, folks, welcome to this episode of the TBG Real Estate Podcast. I am Chris Papa. And today we have a very special guest, Connie Moore. Connie, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks, Chris.
0: Thanks for coming on here and uh, being so patient with our technical difficulties to start out. Uh, I was just saying how you have so many accomplishments, um, it's hard to read them all off, but I will do my best. So you are a, uh, I'm just reading off the the Berkeley, the Haas Berkeley website here. It says Constance Moore is a distinguished real estate veteran, and volunteer board member for numerous organizations. You were honored with a Lifetime Achievement Award at the 18th Annual Haas Gala. Um, You are the former president and CEO of BRE Properties, a real estate investment trust that develops and manages apartments in highly desirable locales in the West. You were named to the Northern California Real Estate Women of Influence Hall of Fame and been noted multiple times as one of the most influential women in the Bay Area business by the San Francisco Business Times. Um, your volunteer leadership includes serving on the Haas board as, as chair of the policy advisory board for Haas Haas's Fisher Center for Real Estate and Urban Economics. You've also taught generations of students as a guest speaker in numerous Haas classes. You serve on the board of many organizations, including the San Jose State University Tower Foundation, Bridge Housing Corporation, and the Urban Land Institute, among others. Wow, wow. that's impressive! Thanks for thanks for joining us.
1: Uh, I'm pleased to be here. It's great. Thank you.
0: Well, you are uh, you're you're up in San Francisco, correct?
1: I am. I am. Where it's a little bit foggy today. It's great, cool. So it's lovely.
0: And we're recording this on um, June fifteenth, twenty twenty. So we're still in quarantine.
1: We are. We are.
0: And, uh, things seem to be getting, moving a little bit, opening up a little bit here, here and there, which is good. I'm down in San Mateo and, uh, I have a hotel booked a couple weekends from now somewhere. So it's like, things are kind of getting back to normal. We, we had a discussion today about, um, opening our office in New York. So that's pretty nice. But, um, and you said, Chris, why would you want me on this podcast? I'm retired. And I said, <laughs> because you're one of the most accomplished real estate professionals in the Bay Area. So I wanted to kind of go through your background if that's okay with you.
1: It's okay with me. Great. I'm tired though. You're what? I'm still retired though.
0: Perfect. Well, I wanted to know where did you, did you grow up in the Bay Area?
1: I did. I grew up in San Jose. We moved, we moved, I was born in Minnesota. um, But we moved to California when I was four. So my dad and my uncle were um, home builders and, chopped down a lot of the fruit trees in, um, what was then just Santa Clara Valley. Um, um, now Silicon Valley, but, uh, and they built single family homes.
0: Oh, wow. So you grew up in a real estate family.
1: I did. I did.
0: And then did you always have an interest in it or was it something that you developed over time?
1: Oh, well, it's something that I developed over time just because, um, uh, <laughs> kind of interesting. I'm the middle of three girls and um, my parents came from, you know, good Midwestern stock. And um, so the three of us were, I'm the middle, and the three of us were raised to go to college for um, two years to culture. And then um, uh, after that, we could get married and have children. (laughs) Yeah. So exactly um, what my two um, sisters did. Um, they both became nurses and then were married and pregnant within a month of being married. Um, but I, um, when I, st- so I never, we never really talked about college at home. Um, so I can't say that I had a really traditional path. We didn't talk about it just because it wasn't um, something that was viewed as important. So when I started San Jose State, probably like a lot of 18 year olds, I didn't really know what I wanted to do.
2: Mm.
1: Um I, I was working for, the summer before I started, I was working for a savings and loan um, in their accounting department. I was working as a file clerk, but I was learning a whole bunch of stuff. So when I, I started taking business courses, they just resonated with me. And um, it's what I I just decided, I, I just connected with it. And San Jose State at the time, they don't have it anymore, which is most unfortunate, I think, but they had, you could get a business degree with a concentration in real estate. and. Oh, wow. uh, So I took that thinking that someday I might, you know, work with my dad or my uncle. Um, um, And so I was there for four years and then I had a professor who said to me, one of my real estate professors said, there's this um, REIT up in, now this is 1977,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: there's a REIT up in um, San Francisco that's looking for an analyst and you should go interview. So I was like, okay. So I (laughs) Drove up to San, San Francisco and, um, I met <laughs> sometimes I think it's so funny. So I, they were on the 42nd floor of the B of A building. Um, yeah. it was, and so, and again, remember, I didn't have a whole lot of coaching from my mother. So I, I decided that day to wear a, um, white polyester pantsuit with a blue shirt and a man's tie. <laughs> I had never worn a tie before. And I've never worn one since. I don't.
2: <laughs> that. Yeah. So I
1: walked there, and as you can imagine, you know, this was 1977. It was all men in the office, other than the administrative staff. And I am certain I was there for six hours for an, for a for an analyst position. I interviewed every single person, and I'm certain that that they somebody somebody called somebody when I walked in and said, "You are not going to believe what just walked in here." <laughs> so I um. Anyways, and, and during I was talking to the president, this CEO who was the last person, but the president was, I was talking to him and he said to me, he said, well, we're going to be interviewing some Stanford and Harvard MBAs for this job. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: in my head, I thought, well, I'm never going to get this job. Never. So I got a little cocky um, and talked about all the great things I could do and they <laughs> They called me at security savings and um, they said, we'd like to offer you a job. At first they said they would like to offer you a job for, to be an intern for three months because I didn't have my degree. And I said, well, I said, I, I have six months to go to get my undergraduate degree. So if you'll make me an intern for six months, I'll consider it. Otherwise I'll just stay where I am. Hmm. Very smug. And so they called me back and they said, okay, we don't want to embarrass you. How much are you making? And I told them $2 and 50 cents an hour. (laughs) And they offered me $1,000 a month. Um, and if you know your math, yeah. um, $0.50 an hour is not anywhere close to $12,000 a year. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and um, so anyways, I um, I moved up to San Francisco. Well, I actually, I started I started taking the train, which was awesome. I loved that. Um, and then I'd been here about a month, and they wanted me to do a budget on a troubled asset that we had in Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And they said, go visit it. So I did. They flew, and here I am a month into my internship. I'm 21 years old. And they flew me first class. I'd never oh, flown wow. in my life. So as far as I was concerned, I was, it, was, it was a permanent job. I, <laughs> yeah. moved in, I moved up to San Francisco. And at the end of six months, they offered me a permanent job. And the rest is history. And that, that re- just happens to be BRE. So BRE was my first job. And BRE wow. was my last job. Yeah.
0: That is so, incredible.
1: So that's that's how I got started. And it was just and then, of course, when I got there and everyone had this thing called an MBA and I really I'm really not sure I knew what an MBA was. Um, So I said, well, I'll just go get one. And so (laughs) Berkeley Berkeley had this amazing program in the 70s. They also don't have this anymore, where it was what they called the um, San Francisco MBA program. And all of the professors came over to Hastings Law School. So all of my classes were, uh, on, I'm gonna hang that up. All of my classes were um, at Hastings, and it was awesome. And um, so I did that, and, um, and I was at BRE for about six years before I left, and then went a whole bunch of different places and came back as part of the CEO succession in um, 2002. But I think, um, You know, so it it certainly wasn't a traditional path. I didn't really know, you know, people used to say to me, well, did you always want to be a CEO? And I don't think I even knew what that was because my dad and my uncle were just, you know, partners building houses. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, it was, learning as much as I could. I have a, um, a pretty keen sense of curiosity and I just, I just want to learn. I didn't, you know, when I, when I first moved up here, I didn't have a TV because I just wanted to read and I wanted to read everything that I could. And, and then of course I was in school and, um, so, and I wasn't distracted with, you know, Twitter and Facebook and all the other things that were distracted today. And, um, so it was great. And I just took on more and more responsibility I remember one time one of my bosses said, you know, you're just a doormat. You never say no to anything. And I said, well, yeah, it's because I'm learning so much. Why, why would I turn down any project? Um, so that's kind of how I got my start. It's a little weird, but it that's how I- It works.
0: I mean, did, you, were, you were mentioning that you walked into the office with a tie and you're the only non-administrative uh, person there. There was a woman. a woman uh, that, that I mean, I assume- I mean, that's an issue today. I mean, I'm assuming back, you know, it wasn't that long ago, but it was, you know, significant amount of years. I mean, was there, were there any other women in, in real estate in San Francisco? Uh,
2: hmm,
1: Not really. Um, the, the, the industry was, you know, I mean, I look at it now and I think, you know, I think, um, like, like ULI has their women's leadership initiative or there's crew, the commercial, um, women in real estate. There's so many organizations that, um, focus on, um, on women or help to support women and mentor women. I know there was nothing like that. And I, you know, I didn't really have any, I well, certainly didn't have any women mentors. Um, and I, and I had a couple of men, I would call a couple of men that that turned out to what today we would classify as sponsors, but they didn't really, that, that isn't the way we talked in those days. But I think, um, I, I just, um, I learned to, uh, to adapt. I mean, many times, many times I, well, all the meetings I was in, I was always the only woman I'd be sitting with. And of course in those days, you know, that you smoked in the, I didn't smoke, but you smoke in the office. I I can remember being in meetings where everybody was smoking cigars and, you know, and we'd have these meetings and, you know, and I was, I guess I was just sort of oblivious to some of the, you know, So some of the sort of the attitudes I do remember, um, I, we had one guy, he was one of our construction guys and I was in his office one day and he was ranting and raving about women working or whatever. And I said, well, Bob, how do you feel about me being here? And he said, well, I didn't hire you. (laughs) And, you know, so in my mind, it was kind of like, look, I can't change his mind. Um, but I'll just have to kind of wait till I'm not working with him or he's not here anymore. Um, so I, I just learned one of the highest compliments I ever got was um he said, Connie, you're just a regular guy. And yeah. um, and for me, um, you know, I, I've had many accolades, wonderful awards, but the best awards um, that I've gotten are like the Haas one, um, or which was, you know, the Lifetime Achievement Award. It wasn't the Woman Lifetime Achievement Award. It was a Lifetime Achievement Award. I got um, Lambda Alpha, you know, honored me to be the Person of the Year in 2014,
2: and um,
1: because you know, as a woman, I've had lots of you know, Woman Real Estate of the Year and all that kind of stuff. But you know, as you and I both know, this is an accident of birth. I didn't choose it, right? You didn't choose mm-hmm. to be what you are. I didn't choose to be what I am. So um, you know, it's interesting. You know, running BRE. I had an analyst ask me one time because, you know, as we were in the middle of our merger and even before some of it, some of the analysts were, you know, being, you know, a little bit snarky. And um, one of an analyst that I'd known for a really long time, he said, "Connie, do you think that they're they're um, treating you this way because you're a woman?" And I said to him, "I said, you know, it's absolutely never occurred to me because when you're running a public company, it's the greatest meritocracy. You're either doing well or you're not, and the numbers mm-hmm. show, it, right?" And, um, so I've never, um, I've never wanted to use being female to get anywhere. Um, and I'm, I'm certain in the early days, it probably held me back. Um, but, um, but it's just, you know, I, uh, and I think one of the reasons, although I, I never wore a tie again, but I did. <laughs> I did um, dress pretty, I went to, I remember when I started at BRE and, you know, I I, I was so fortunate. That's why I said I, I, I was absolutely so lucky because BRE in the early 70s, um, early or late 70s and early 80s, really, when I was there, you know, we were pretty small and um, and and our trustees, many of whom had come from the Bank of America or clients of Bank of America, and they were all men, you know, that were in their sixties and seventies and so to me they were like my grandfather, right? Yeah. And um, so I, I I I dressed very um cor- very corporately. I remember going to a tailor over on Union Street and they said, Okay, make me three men's suits and I want, you know, blue, brown, and you know, Navy. And, and um, so I never wore a tie again, but I, but I always wanted them to listen to me and not look at me. Mm -hmm. I didn't want, I didn't want um, whatever I was wearing to be distracting, because I wanted them to hear what I had to say.
0: That's a good point. Um, So you were started at BRE when you, and so you were doing more of the accounting side or analyst?
1: Yeah, I was an analyst. We had what we called, it was called our production group. And BRE had gone public in 1970. And, um, you know, there was um, a very severe real estate recession in 73 and 74. And so BRE, like many of the REITs, got into some trouble. So when I started in mid-77, 30% of our portfolio was what we considered non earning Mm-hmm. So it was, it was, there was a lot of challenged real estate. So I was so fortunate that I got to um, really be a, a sort of kind of like the workout girl. And mm-hmm. a lot. And so they gave, you know, they gave me more responsibility than any 21, 22 year old should have had. But, um, i just you know i had some great bosses and so i had assets from hawaii to new york and um a lot of troubled assets but um but that also meant that every month i got to go and um uh, meet with our board of directors so i got a really really early on experiencing sitting in the boardroom you know, learning to, you know, learning to answer the questions in a clear, coherent way and, you know, not ramble on and, and basically help them understand either where we were coming from, what we were doing with the asset. So I was really, really fortunate that way.
0: Do you think there was something about you that, that they gave you this responsibility or was it just blind luck?
1: i um, you know, I mean, I, I think I've always, you know, I've worked six and a half days a week my entire life. Um, and so I think they knew that I worked hard. I think they knew that I was not afraid to ask um, the questions. Although I do remember the chief investment officer. One of the times when I first got there, I think it was when I was an analyst and I walked into his office and I wish I could remember, I don't even remember what question I asked him and he looked at me and he goes, if you had your MBA, I wouldn't answer that question. But since you don't, I'll answer that. (laughs) And so I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I hope I know the answer when I'm an MBA, right? But it also, I will tell you, um, it also shaped the way I um, um, dealt with anyone who worked for me. Um, Because I always thought there was never a stupid question. If you had a question, you had the right to have an answer to it. Because I was just so, I was like, I was so nervous when he said that. Um, But I think people recognized, you know, I had worked all the way um, for four years while I was, um, um, at San Jose state. So, so they knew that I, you know, that I worked hard. Um, and, and that I was, you know, I was not afraid to, you know, I've, I've always sort of been, what's the short of dying, what's the worst can happen to you on a project or taking a new responsibility and some, you could fall flat on your face, but it's Mm -hmm. like, but you know, then you just pick yourself up and you figure it out. So, um, I was very fortunate I had, you know, we were small. I mean, BRE in those days um, was really small. I think we only had four or 500 million in assets. And so we were pretty small and it was a small team. So I really got, um, you know, and because I think I was a novelty, I mean, I I definitely was a novelty. Um, So um, I think that they just, you know, gave me responsibilities to see what I could do. So I did.
0: And then you're, you're doing the workouts. I mean, was there a particular path? I guess when you came back from your MBA, there was, you said there was a uh, a program that they put you in there, but was there like, you know, CEO is just like, it's a huge responsibility, right? I mean, it's like. It is you know,
1: again. So I've gotten, all right. So I was, at, so I, I went to Cal got, and, and because my undergraduate degree was in concentrated in real estate, but, but at San Jose State, Um, their, their philosophy was, I think there were six core courses in the real estate concentration. And, um, so you took those, you know, it was appraisal and, you know, real estate law and, and, um, and so that, you know, their idea was that you would go get your broker's license. Mm -hmm. I have to tell you. I never got my broken eyes. So, so then when I decided to go to Cal, it's so funny at, at the, the evening program that I went to the San Francisco MBA program, they had two concentrations. You could go into finance or you could go into, um, management. And now again, my little warped mind, it was like, oh, management, anybody can do management. And of course today we're finding, no, not everyone can do management. <laughs> yeah. anyway, so I said I want to I want to I want to um, marry the real estate um, education I had at San Jose State with the finance education at Cal, um, and so um, so I did that and then I stayed at I, I graduated in December of eighty from Cal, and then I le- I was at BRE for another um, th- uh, two and a half years. And it really, I really, you know, by this time, you know, I was feeling kind of smug and I really wanted to push myself to do something different because I didn't, the only person that reported to me was my administrative assistant. And I said, you know what, I want to do something. And I, um, stepping back a little bit, I, I was always what I would describe as adult shy. So anybody who was Older than me was the adult, and I always felt very shy and very um, very much like a child. So I mm. forced myself um, to go on practice interviews all the time. So during my six years at BRE, I probably went on 25 practice interviews. Now, they didn't know that it was a practice interview, yeah. but for me, it was a way to... Learn to one, talk to these adults who made me nervous to basically describe who I am, what I did, my skills, my weaknesses um, and learn about um, other other aspects of the real estate industry. So some of the people I've known the longest are people that I met on on, um, on uh, practice interviews. And what I would do is, for example, if this was a practice interview, Chris, in the old days, we had our day timer, right? We didn't have it, yeah. uh, you know. And so I might flip six months ahead and write, call Chris for coffee. So I stayed in contact with you, even though and many of those, many times I got offered in a job. I, you know, I would turn them down and I would come back and go, I have the greatest job because of the amount of responsibility they were giving me. But it, but it taught me a way to communicate. And again, you know, sometimes I'd be in a, in an interview and I'd go, "Ugh, oh, I don't really like the way I answered that, but I learned from it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so finally at the end of six years, um, consolidated capital, which was a real estate syndicator over in Emeryville called and asked, um, if I would consider, Starting a portfolio management department and basically starting a department and hiring the team and for me It was kind of like okay. I've never done that before so I'm gonna try it. So I went there and I and and consolidated capital This was early 83. So it was before the 86 tax law changed which created all of them um, but but I had, we had 16 public partnerships and then I was responsible also for the three equity REITs. Mm Um, we, we had, we had two mortgage REITs, but I didn't have those. And so I, I basically hired a team and, um, I learned so much about the hiring process, the managing process. Um, and then I also learned about the firing process. Um, and again, it's, I think about it today. So in 1985. my mm. boss came to me and said, I want you to, I want you to terminate half your staff. He didn't right. tell me why he didn't tell me that we were in the middle of a merger. And because I was GNA, they wanted to, you know, kind of shore up the balance sheet and the income statement. Right. He didn't tell me that. Mm. And it wasn't like he said, go talk to Sally or Jim in HR. He just said, here's what you can do. And you can give everybody, th- you know, you figure out who you want to terminate and you can give them all three months. And, And I was like, oh my gosh, how how am I going to, I like all the people that I hired, right?
2: Yeah. So
1: I, I went home and I sat down and I thought, all right, if I had to pay all of the people that worked for me out of my paycheck, I would want my paycheck to be as big as possible so I could do that. So who do I think on the team will make my, I'm being facetious, obviously, but yeah. who do I think will make my paycheck the biggest and the ones that I think are the best to keep? So I kind of, I went through it. And as it turned out, everybody that was going to stay um, lived in San Francisco. So I invited each one of them individually to breakfast at Deutsch's Cafe. They didn't on, on Fillmore. I don't know if you ever knew that it was a great place to eat. And they didn't, none of them knew that they were all, all coming. So they all came and I told them what was happening. I told them that they were safe, but I said, it's going to be a really, really, really tough day. So I started going and I had no HR, no HR help today. You would <laughs> never do those conversations by yourself. You know, you've no. had someone, and so. I individually, you know, the first person that came in was all excited to have a meeting. But by the time she left in tears, people started figuring out, oh, no, if you're getting called into Connie's office, it's not going to be a good thing.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, So I think I've, um, you know, I've I've always had I've always tried to be very empathetic and put myself in um, um, other people's shoes. Um, our, Our brand promise at BRE was from your point of view. And I used to say to our associates, if every encounter you have with an associate, a shareholder or a customer, um, and you always consider it from their point of view, I said, we'll be the best um, public company in the world. And I've been I was thinking about that the other day. I said, well, I think maybe we need to start thinking about that these days. <laughs> um, but um, but I didn't really have any help. So I just, um, Because I did a lot of reading and I just thought about, you know, What I wanted to do, I had goals. I had, you know, when I was really little, I had the fear of being an old woman eating cat food.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: And I, you know, I don't know anyone who ever ate cat food. So um, I'm not really
2: sure where that came
1: from, but I just, I had this, this desire to do well and this desire to work. And for me, um, for me, it was, um you know, doing well with, and, and excelling is a way that, you know, my goal ultimately, and now I'm being able to accomplish that as a a retired person is to be able to give back both, both Mm in my, on my, on my nonprofit boards, but also in terms of my contributions as well. Um, and, um, so I, I just think, I, I don't think I shied away and I wasn't afraid to ask any questions. So people just said, all right, well, let her, let's see what she can do with this. And, um, and so I remember when I, I left, um, con- I was with Consolidated Capital for about six years until um, after the 86 tax law change it kind of cratered and as did a lot of syndicators. And um, I worked for Peter Bedford um, for a while. And then I jo- in 1993, I went to um, Security Capital. We moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico. Um, mm-hmm. And Bill Sanders was um, just starting um, Security Capital. And um they had taken a position in at the time which was called Property Trust of America. And um and so I went out there and it's so funny because I remember my interview. All right, so now you have to kind of think about the time frame. So I started in seventy seven. I didn't never had a computer at BRE, right? There was no personal computers. The, I remember memory typewriters, that was really great when my assistant <laughs> that was, and so then I moved to ConCap, and then of course now I'm managing people, but you know my people had computers, I didn't have computers, mm, right? My yeah. So when I get to, when I'm interviewing in Santa Fe, um, I'm interviewing with um, the chief operating officer. He's talking about you know he's, he's got this model that he's working on, and and, and I so I I didn't lie. But I said, well, you know, Ron, I said, I don't really know Lotus. As, it was Lotus in those days. I said, I don't really <laughs> know Lotus as well as you do. And he goes, oh, no, nah, I just add and subtract, right? Yeah. So, anyway, so I get offered the job. I move to Santa Fe. My husband comes at the end of two weeks. And at the end of two weeks, I get a computer, right? They finally bring me my, my computer. And um, so my boss comes over with a floppy. You remember the old floppy? disk? And goes, I want you to take a look at this model and see what you what, see what you think about it so I knew how to open it up right mm. and so it's lotus model and it had 528 rows yikes That's what I said I think I was probably a more colorful and so <laughs> I remember calling my husband and I said, Oh my God, he's going to figure out. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. He's firing. And so, and I, am not someone who gets emotional or cries, but he could tell that I was upset. And he goes, he goes, you want to go have coffee? So we went and had coffee in this little place called Burrow alley. And I'm not listening to him at all. I'm just flipping through this Santa Fe and kind of rag. And this ad jumped out and it says, I teach Lotus.
2: And so I got,
1: so it was a, it was a, an instructor at Santa Fe city college. And I went out to her home one day and we went through it. And by the time when I, when we started going through it, I go, this is just algebra. And so anyways, and so she said, all right, I just want to see what the setup is in your office. She came the next Saturday and that was it. I was done. I knew what I was doing.
2: So um,
0: you addressed your weakness, like your, the things you felt were your weaknesses. Like you said, yeah, you exactly. went You met with the the adult quote unquote adults. So you interviewed a couple places and, <laughs> And then with Lotus, you, you figured that out. I mean, is that, is, that kind of a, is that a theme throughout your career?
1: It's been a theme. It's kind of like when I'd been at um, Security Capital for a few years. And my whole life, I've worked for public companies, right? Always. Mm. And so I understand public companies. I understand the cadence of 10Qs and 10Ks and all of that stuff, right? And so, um, so Bill said to me, I want you to go to Atlanta, and I want you to take Security Capital Atlantic public. So while I had worked for public companies, I had never taken one public.
2: Hmm.
1: And it was like, oh, all right, well, we'll figure that out. So um, <laughs> I moved to um, I moved to um, uh, Atlanta in March of 96. We And so Goldman was our um, advisor, and they helped us take it, take it public. And so we went public in October of um, 96. And um, so I was chief. I was um Co-chairman and chief operating officer of um, Bill had this whole thing about co-everything because he 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 and um, Hank Paulson were amazingly good friends. And at the time, Goldman had this whole co-CEO thing. So Bill thought that was a great idea. So we had co- um, co-chairman and I was chief operating officer. And um, and so I was there until. Uh, so we took it public and was there until um, Scott Sellers, who was running Security Capital Pacific. So we had a West Coast um, REIT, multifamily REIT, and an East Coast multifamily REIT. And we kind of split the country in half, and neither one of us took Mississippi or Louisiana. <laughs> we were kind of, um, we were kind of um, butting up against each other. So we decided to merge, and I had never done a merger um we decided to merge um I guess the announcement oh that was funny. We did the announcement in April of nineteen ninety eight um and we closed in July of ninety-eight. And then I moved to Denver for a very short period of time um, until Bill I'd been in Denver, renovated a house for three months, been in um been in the house for two weeks, and Bill called and said, I want you back in Santa Fe. Wow. <laughs> so I moved back to Santa Fe and um and then i was there um that was in um january of 99 and um i was there until we sold to ge in 2002 and then that's when i came back as part of the ceo succession for for berry but i've always put myself in a position of trying to be a little uncomfortable so like when i was a junior in college you know my parents said okay mm-hmm. you can go away if you want to so i went to my counselor and i said okay i I need to stay in the state system because my parents can't afford you know anything other than that and i want to real estate so he said well you can go to fresno state or you can go to san diego state and so again not having any any counsel from my parents or anything i remember i had this i had i had this huge bedroom in our house and with blue carpet and i sat on the blue carpet and i said well if you go to San Diego State, you have a lot of friends there. You'll have too much fun. You won't study. So <laughs> I went to, so I went to Fresno State um, where I knew no one, um, and um, so you had to learn to make friends. And and you just had and you know and they didn't know me and I didn't know them and it didn't it wasn't a good fit for me. So I went back to San Jose State my senior year. I was just like ah, I just wasn't. It was too agricultural yeah. for me. Fun, um, but um, but I've always tried to put myself in a situation of pushing myself. And um, and I think that's when I do my best work is when I'm really, um, um, you know, I'm, I'm either nervous or excited about something, but I'm not really sure that I have all the, all, all the tools lined up. It's kind of like, okay, how do I get this done? But I think that's when I do my best work. Um, and so I've, I've that has definitely been a theme in my whole life. It's been a theme.
0: Yeah. It sounds like, I mean, you kind of build the parachute on the way down, right? I mean, it sounds you're constantly jumping out and trying to see if you could figure it out in the way. Right. It's pretty, I mean, you sound fearless or a lot of courage, maybe, maybe fear, but a lot of courage.
1: I have said that. I said that, um, I said that at, um, at my Cal um, and my, my, at the event at the gala is, you know, my MBA made me fearless. I mean, do I use everything that I learned? No, but it, um, you know, because I came out of San Jose state and there was all these men in the office that had this MBA, I probably had a little chip on my shoulder. It was like, I got to get one of those. And so once I got it, it was kind of like, you know, and, and, you know, the MBA, I mean, I, we went to class on Mondays and Thursday nights and I was still working at BRE. Right. So yeah, you no, know, I, you know, I sort of got it all done, but so I, it made me fearless and, um, and, um, like I said, it's kind of like, you know, I'll figure, I used to say I'm a Cal grad, I'll figure it out. Of course I'll figure it out.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, did you ever envision yourself being CEO one day of BRE? Like when you started? No.
1: Oh no, Oh my gosh. No. And, you know, I mean, obviously starting, starting as a, um, a little intern, you know, um, at $12,000 a year, if I had stayed, I, I I'm pretty convinced if I had stayed the whole time, that I don't know that i would have been considered um because you know how people look at you they go oh you know she was that little analyst and i think they would have always looked at me that way and so i needed it's probably like people who who have a family business and then sometimes it's good it's good to go work for someone else before you come into the family business i don't i've never experienced that we didn't have that but um but i think um um so no I, i i didn't but when and it was funny because when when the headhunter called me up uh, and I was in the middle of doing the merger with GE, then I remember they have they, so funny. They, they wouldn't tell me, they said, there's a readout in California. We can't tell you who it is, but they're looking for a CEO successor. And <laughs> I remember saying to my husband, I said, wouldn't it be weird if it was Barry? <laughs>
2: um,
1: and, um, so they had eight people. I didn't know who they were, but they, they had eight people. They got it down to four. And, um, they said, um, the board, is, board hasn't decided whether they want someone with really, really, really strong development experience or they want someone more operational and outward facing and financial. And they said, so if, if they want a development person, you know, you're out. And if not, so obviously they didn't. They wanted me. And so I started. Um, and so um, and for me, you know, it, it just sort of seemed, it seemed natural. it wasn't anything that I dreamed of. It wasn't. But but to me in the evolution at that time, I was. Uh, what was I? What 2002? So I was like 37 or something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and um, oh, 37. I don't know. I don't know how old I was. <laughs> but um, um, but it just sort of felt it felt natural, and that I had been managing people, and so now it was time for me to sort of have the P was my responsibility. I mean, that was where the the buck stopped there, and um. And like I said, running a public company is the greatest meritocracy. You either you either make it or you don't. Right. Yeah. And um, and but it was for me, it was an, I was almost it was there almost 10 years and it was an amazing uh, I just loved every minute of it. We we we, we transformed the culture. We transformed the organization. And um, and we set it up for success, so our shareholders won. Most most of you know our, you know, we were multi-family, so most of our on-site people kept their job, and they're still at Essex, and they're doing amazing things. And as in any um, in any merger, of course, you know, a lot of the corporate staff goes, and that was the part that was so interesting. I had built up such a, um, a level of trust with the organization, and we had a we had a leak, and um, and so I you know I couldn't really help you know people. People were like, are we really merging with them? And, um, you know, I couldn't tell them, obviously. And I said, look, we're a public company. We're for sale every day. You know, people are always talking about that. But then when I could finally tell them that it was public and we could talk about it, I said, look, you know, you're going to hear a lot of things during this this transition period. And you're going to hear a lot of things about synergies. And I said, let me be honest with you. That's just code for layoffs. And I said, and I'm the first to go. And it was so interesting because so many of our associates were like, "Wow, if Connie's okay with this, maybe we should be okay with this." <laughs> and, and so I think it was just being really honest with them. And um, but I think that's probably the, the part that I miss um, is um, is is dealing with the people because I was really at that at that at that stage, particularly towards the end, um, because I had always had a commitment. To retire um, when I was sixty, and really because at that point I would have been CEO for um, quite a few years. And what happens in a public company if if you don't leave, you know the rest of your team goes. Oh my God, is she going to be here forever? And if everybody else aspires to being a CEO, um, if you don't leave, they, they've got to leave the organization, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a way to have a um, it's a way to have a transition that is very smooth. I mean, the greatest gift that a um, a board can give its shareholders is a smooth transition of its CEO. And we've seen some companies that are amazing and we are c- we've seen companies that are complete flameouts. So my last few years was really helping to develop some of the internal candidates because as the CEO, it's not my job to pick my replacement. It's the boards. Yes. But so they, I wanted to give them internal candidates. They would also, you know, continue to look at outside as well. But so I was, I was getting to um, develop um, the internal candidates, which is, which was really fun. So, um, so I, I, you know, I, 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 think, I think you're sort of ready for, it. you know, it's kind of like, you know, you like when you, when you graduate from high school, and I remember looking at all the syllabus of all of the classes that I was going to be taking at San Jose state. And they, I was scared to death. I thought, Oh my God, I'm not going to be able to do this. And, but you're just ready. You just, you know, it's just a phase of your life and you're just ready for it. And so I was ready for it and, um, you know, loved every minute of it. It was great.
0: Wow. What an amazing story. Um, I actually lived in a BRE complex when I first moved to California.
1: Which one did you live?
0: Lakeshore landing.
1: Oh, Lakeshore Landing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: back in oh back in eleven, January of
1: yeah. eleven. Oh,
0: yeah. Well I hope we treated you well. And I, I hope great. Were- yeah. Good, yeah. <laughs> uh, well I appreciate I mean, so are you ready for the hot seat? I'm sure. Gonna, all right, let's sure. do it. The hot seat is sponsored by KK Reset. KK Reset is an HR management and outsourcing consulting firm that specializes in helping organizations to reset their culture, structure, and path. they outsource it to KK Reset. KK Reset comes in, maybe sits on site a couple of days a week and provides, you know, everything you need from an HR perspective for your for your firm. So, it's a great uh, resource for those shops who just maybe it doesn't make sense for them to have in-house HR function. Um, so please check them out at kkreset.com, k k r e s e t.com. All right. There's there're the flames. You hear them? i,
2: I the been just getting very hot in here. Yeah, the
0: <laughs> Any books you recommend, whether real estate, leadership, life, anything?
1: Okay. Um, well, one of the last books I read, um, because I'm on the bridge board, which is kind of interesting, is called Golden Gates by Connor Doherty. And it's right. really, um, uh, he's actually a local guy. I'm trying to think. I think he lives in the East Bay, but it's really um, about fighting for housing in America. And um, it's kind of something that I'm passionate about um, um, being on the bridge board. Um, so that was interesting. Um, last year, was it last year? I think at ULI we had Tom Friedman come and talk about his book. Thank you for being late, um, okay. which is, and I, I've, it, it was a bit of a slog, but I really, really enjoyed it, and he talked about just how our world, you know, it was, it's a very interesting book and just talking about how things have transformed in the speed at which things are transforming. And, and, um, and then, um, for those who know me, I am a, um, sort of a nut on Queen Elizabeth (laughs) the first. And so I, in my, um, in my bookcase, I've got all these books on Queen Elizabeth first, um, who, um, when she became, um, queen, when Henry the eighth, um, died and her sister died and you know all the rest of them um she um the the united kingdom um was one uh, was almost bankrupt and when she died it was one of the most powerful um country um or empire in the world and um you know i think i have a book called elizabeth as ceo and um i have this i'm not a writer but i do have this fantasy of someday writing a book in present day um, where, um, but on her life, so that she would be the CEO and her privy council would be the board of directors.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: She she wouldn't get to behead her enemies. That would be most unfortunate. Um, but anyway, so anything on Queen Elizabeth the first um, to me was her leadership skills and her ability again think about a woman in a man's world um her ability to continue to one stay alive and manage the empire so that's kind of interesting so so those are probably my three books but any any queen elizabeth the first book um i'm fascinated on
0: awesome how about podcasts you listen to any podcasts nowadays
1: you no, know, I've listened to, I, I, um, 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 there's a, a real estate one that, um, the guys at Tara, Tara search yep. do Mad Slepin, and I listen to his, um, cause he's got, he's always had some interesting people, but I'm really, I don't listen to a whole lot of podcasts. Um, you know, I've done more during our shelter in place, um, which has been fun. And, um, so I'll probably, um, do more of that just because I find it a good, you know, a good use of time.
0: What do you like to do outside of work?
1: Well, so I'm on eight boards, you know, cause I'm
0: yeah.
1: on <laughs> yeah. I'm on all my, I'm on, you know, so I'm on three public boards and one corporate board and then on my, on all my nonprofits. Um, but um, I'm enjoying um, traveling and when, now and I'm really ready to travel again, really. And, and I do love to um, travel and, um, and hike and, and read. And um, so I'm looking forward cause I didn't really do again while I was working, you know, my whole life. I mean, I, I took my first real big vacation in 2000 on our 15th wedding anniversary. And then we took another one again in 2014 when I retired. But oh, wow. when, when, you're, when you're running an organization, nobody does your work. So when you come back, from a vacation, you're exhausted in looking at all the stuff. So I just found we had a we had a cattle ranch for a really long time. We sold it in '18. We raised um, longhorns and beef cattle,
0: mm-hmm. and so
1: for me that was a great way to relax. I could go. It was outside of Fort. It was about 90 minutes outside of Fort Worth, and I could go and I could work. I could be in the middle of the field um, on our on our mule, and I could sit there and I could work on uh, my laptop with all the cows around me, and it'd be great. So, um, but so now it's, it's travel reading and, you know, walking and hiking. And so it's kind of stuff.
0: Wow. What advice would you give to your 20 year old self? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that smug little girl. Um, you know, I, you know, on, on the one hand I would say, you know, don't, don't take it so seriously. Maybe don't work so hard. Maybe smell the roses a little more, but except I'm not sure I would have gotten where I did if I had done that, you know? Um, it's, it's hard to go back and look and say what you would have done differently because you never know what path that would have taken. Um, I might've been, I think early on, you know, I, I wish I was maybe a little more courageous. Um, because again, I can remember sitting in BRE again, being the only woman in, you know, outside of the administrative staff and all the guys would walk by my office and going to lunch. They never once for six years once asked me to go and I was never courageous enough to say, Hey, can I join you?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you no, know, I was just, it just, I don't know. They frightened me or something. And, you know, and they were most of them were probably anywhere from eight to 10 years old than I was. And um, so I wish I was more courageous in some of those settings.
0: Gotcha. Well, you seem pretty courageous in every area, every other area. So it worked yeah. out okay. <laughs> what did you, or what do you look, what did you look for in hiring people? Was there certain qualities besides the actual technical ability?
1: Yeah, I think, um, that's a great question. Um, because you know, you assume when you, when you get someone's resume or whatever that they have the technical skills to do the job that they're interviewing for. So it's really more some of the soft skills and, um, you know, I always, um, I always ask, I used to always ask them what, what drove them, you know, what, what drives you to, to excellence. Um, And um, and, you know, and of course, obviously you want someone who's honest and ethical and has empathy, um, but really um, thinks about um, themselves, part of um, part of an organization and and where they can contribute. Um, I think it's really important to um, for people to understand that, you know, they have to sell themselves as much as the company has to sell itself on you and 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 how you can contribute and. um, and, and again, sort of thinking about ways that um, um, will make the organization better. And, I, and I, knowing that, of course, the organization is only one part of everyone's life. And so, you know, you're, you're working to achieve goals. And what are those goals? Um, I remember interviewing a, a prospective board member one time who was actually, you know, it was myself and the chairman. And um, it was actually um, going really, really well until... He, Until he said, you know, getting being on this board would be really good for my resume.
2: Oh yeah.
1: That it was kinda like, yeah, it probably would, but that's not really why, you know, we want you here. So I just think it's understanding the job, doing your homework. I I, I really always appreciated someone, particularly today. It's so easy. You know, when I first started, you didn't have, you know, the web and, you know, all the the information on companies um, online. And so you had to do your digging. But make sure that you know the company um, and you've done your homework. um, um, And, you know, then you're honest and everything else um, and that you can work in a team. Um, and, um, cause it's, a, it's sort of, you know, it's kind of table stakes to just assume that you have all the skills. So from there, then, um, then what, you know, what can you do to, to enhance the organization?
0: Amazing. Connie, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
1: It was fun.
0: That was fun. Great getting to know you better. I'm sure we could <laughs> yeah. talk for, I could listen to this for hours. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm not sure about that, but anyways,
0: <laughs> I, I swear.
1: This is great. This was great. Well, real estate is an amazing career. It has um, been good to so many of us, which is why I always encourage people to give back. Um, But it isn't. No matter what you do in real estate, it's such a great career, Um, and it's a lifelong career, and you're constantly learning. And there's, you know, sometimes I I teach finance classes at Cal. um, You know, I'll to guest lecture, and I always think. what a great time to um, to be in school and thinking about what their life is going to be like. Because think about thinking about think about being a new CEO today and dealing with COVID, or oh, thinking yeah. about thinking about being a CFO today and dealing with COVID um, and thinking about the risks in the organizations and because I don't think this is going to be the last time. And so it's, how do you, how do you think about that? And then, you know, in real estate, you just think about all the changes that are going on. It's like, what are we going to, what do we do with obsolete um, real estate? And and if we're never driving anymore, what do we do with parking spaces? They can't all be Amazon delivery centers, right? Yes. So I think, I think that, the opportunities in real estate and to really affect the built environment are going to be so huge over the next 20 to 30 years. I just, I just, you know, it'll be fun to watch. I'll be sitting in the cheap seats, but, um, but, um, but it's going to, it's an amazing career and there's still so much to do. So it's kind of exciting.
0: Well, look forward to seeing how it, how it happens and I'm sure you're going to play a part in it. So thank you.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Chris.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the TBG Real Estate Podcast. Please visit us online at tbg-realestate.com or on Instagram at tbg.realestate. Until next time, have a great week.